Welcome back, teachers. I cannot wait for you to tune in to this quick yet important episode. We are discussing the concept of actually learning to admire annoying classroom behaviors. I know it sounds crazy, and this approach really can drastically impact your students. It's a topic that's rarely talked about in education circles, so of course we want to go all in for you. All right, let's go ahead and listen in, and after you take a listen, let us know what you thought about it over on our Instagram at ebacademics. Would love to hear from you. Hi there, Caitlin here. Our mission at EB Academics is simple. Help middle school ELA teachers take back their time outside of the classroom by providing them with engaging lessons, planning frameworks, and genuine support so that you can become the best version of yourself, both inside and outside of the classroom. So if you think you might be ready to try something new because you know you simply cannot continue the way that you have been, that I'd invite you to take a moment to check out the EB Teachers Club, the EB Writing Program, or the EB Grammar Program by visiting the links in the description of the podcast. We hope to continue to support you within one of our programs in the future. And in the meantime, we look forward to serving you right here on the podcast each week. Welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. It has already been just a remarkable 2024 on the podcast. You guys have been just letting us know that you've been loving all of the science of reading stuff. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and check out episode 268 and 270, where we're talking about the science of reading. We had two Stanford professors on the podcast last week talking about a feelings-based approach to literature. I think I said this at the beginning of the year, Jessica, that it's like 10X on the podcast. Yep. Like if it isn't from a 10X lens, it's not making it on the podcast. And so I really hope that you guys are feeling that as you're listening. And if you are, we would love for you to please leave us a review on iTunes. It means the world to us. Like we love reading it. It makes us feel good, to be honest with you. And it makes us feel like we're not just, you know, shouting into the abyss, that it's actually landing for you and it's helping you. And when you leave us a review, it actually helps us reach more middle school ELA teachers. So um, we would appreciate it so much. Today, we're talking about something that is maybe we clicked on this and you're like, I don't know where this podcast episode is going to go. With the title being Learning to Admire an Annoying Behavior. Um, and I'm really excited to get into this. We have some really interesting um, thoughts to share, maybe perspective shifts to share with you guys, because this is real. I mean, student behavior and annoying student behavior <laughs> is a thing. And if you're a teacher, you know exactly what we're talking about. Um, and we're bringing Megan back on. Megan, welcome back. Hey, again Megan. Podcast, hey, everybody. <laughs> podcast recording days are my favorite. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> of course. And it's snowing there. So you're, it's snowing. It's podcast recording day. You're just a in good heaven. day. I'm dancing. I am dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I just want to preface this with the fact that we all know the behavior that we're talking about, right? Of course, we have that student who you're in the middle of this great lesson on, I don't know, iambic pentameter. You're teaching Shakespeare. You're talking about couplets and you love it because it means something to you. And then you have that student who absolutely cannot contain themselves and they're, you know, doing like a little beat drum situation on your desk. And you're like, dude, are you serious right now? I'm talking about iambic pentameter, right? We all know who that child is. And maybe you don't have someone who drums, but you know exactly what I'm talking about, that that type of behavior. Um, Or you have like, let's say your principal is coming in for an observation and you've set the scene for your students. Like, dude, please like, just be good for this one day. You know, we can do it. And you've motivated them up until this point. But then you have that student in the back of the classroom who is just not engaged, 
who is doodling in their notebook and they're not paying attention and just all of the things that you're like, oh man, I, I wish that was not happening. And you're like, do I acknowledge this in front of the principal? How am I supposed to handle this behavior? What should I do? And while those behaviors for some of us might not be annoying at all, for some of us, like, let's be honest, they are. And those are just two examples of the types of behavior. We all have the student who shouts out or the student who, oh my gosh, I'm not going to name the student, but Jessica, you taught this kid who would constantly challenge every single thing that I would say. I'm and like I would so be curious like, right now. just sit me- down and be quiet, right? Like, come on, let me get through the lesson. Like you can challenge me outside of class. But what we want to do today, and I'll tell you afterwards. Yeah, because I'm like, maybe that and you'll be like, didn't annoy oh. Me. oh, I'm curious if I go, oh, or if I'm like, oh, I never noticed that. You know, like it's just different yes. personalities. Totally. I'll, I'll be curious. Yes, please tell guarantee me. you that you are going to know okay. exactly which student I'm talking about. Kind of excited. Um, too funny. Because for those of you who don't know, Jessica and I taught together. Jessica taught fifth grade and I taught eighth grade. And we taught the same students. Maybe I, we had like two or three classes that we that taught the same, were the same students that had yeah. moved through both of our classes. <laughs> I love it. Um, but we're going to talk about a way to, to really reframe how we approach these types of behaviors, how we think about these types of behaviors. And before we dive into this, I just want to share a little personal anecdote that I think is so applicable to what we're going to talk about. And those of you who know me have heard this before, but my son is six and my husband, I really struggled through like ages four and five with his behavior. I'm talking like he would punch me in the face. I'm talking he threw a baseball through our window and broke glass everywhere, like really kind of extreme behaviors. And that not just as annoying, like there were behaviors that were unsafe, to be honest with you. And a lot of it came down to anxiety and feeling out of control and all of this stuff. And my husband and I went through a a parent kind of therapy program for how to handle behavior like this. And when all was said and done, what happened was my husband and I changed in the way in which we approached the situation. And because we changed, our son's behavior changed. And I think it was just a really interesting kind of eye-opening experience for me that is opposed to being like, Will, you got to do this. Will, you got to act this way. Will, you got to, Will, Will, Will. It's like, no, how can I actually turn it around and look at me? And what am I bringing to the table and how am I addressing this situation? How am I handling it? And I think it's just really um, empowering because we can have, you know, more control maybe than we think we can in the way in which behaviors are realized and actualized in our classroom. So just something to kind of tee this up before we head into our discussion around this. So Jessica, I'm going to have you start with the USC courses that you've been going through and kind of of setting the foundation for all of this. Yeah. And I think what you said, I mean, you'll see as we continue talking about this, it's going to tie in your story with um, the therapy that you did to then change or will. Um, Okay. So if you guys were here, what was it? Two weeks ago, we talked with Pat on the podcast. So Pat is our curriculum writer at EB and both Pat and myself are taking four courses through the university of Southern California. And they're all, um, courses on equity and differentiation in the classroom so that we can be ensuring that we're giving best practices in the materials that we create. And so one of our courses was called relationally responsive classroom management. And these are just like college courses. So like you're reading articles, you're watching videos, you're doing discussion questions, all the things. So we read this article and then we participated in all these discussions around it. And this article within that course was called classroom management strategies for difficult students. 
promoting change through relationships. So that's kind of where the idea for this episode came from, because we know that that's something that's challenging for a lot of teachers. And basically just to kind of summarize that article for you, the concept is that when a student in your classroom displays a behavior that bothers you, and it's, you know, typically a behavior that causes a class disruption, right? Or something that keeps the student off task, or honestly, it's just something that like triggers you. It just annoys you so much. Then ideally there are three things you can do. So if you're like taking notes, this would be where I would jot these down. Three (laughs) things. First one is communicate with the student privately as you recognize the behavior. Number two is to reframe the behavior positively. So set it up as a skill that the student has. And that's really interesting because chances are the student has probably been called out for this behavior in the past and it wasn't seen as a skill. So I think that's really an interesting perspective shift. And then number three is to guide the student toward redirecting this skill in a more constructive manner or in a way that's just more suitable, more appropriate for the classroom. So if you want to remember those easily, you can think of them as the three R's recognize, reframe, and redirect. And it's really important when you're going through the three R's, and I hope this is obvious, I'm sure it is, but that you're authentic with your student, you're genuine with them, you're coming you know, from the heart because students are perceptive, right? They know and they can discern when you're being insincere and you're just annoyed with them. But if you really do try to recognize that their behavior is a skill, then they're going to connect with you more and the behavior is likely going to be harnessed in a different way. So I think that's really important. So I want to give you an example of what this might look like in the classroom. So I want you to think of like the class clown you have in class. So maybe for Caitlin, it's that one student she was talking about earlier, right? They're always distracting the class with jokes or they're just, you know, up and moving. This is the kid that like, can't just walk to the trash can. They're high-fiving students along the way. And you're just like, what are you doing? I'm in the middle of my lesson. And for me, I had one of these students and I just want to preface this by saying this student, Micah was like, remains one of my favorite students to this day in 15 years of teaching. He's memorable. He is funny. Like I tell my own kids stories about him. He was so smart, but he had high energy in the classroom too. Like he could just bust out a Taylor Swift song in the middle of class or he could break dance literally while I'm teaching something. And it was funny. And like, I enjoyed it. And it was funny. I was actually telling Jameson this story about him the other day. And he was like, wait, like you would laugh in class. And I was like, yes, like, how could I not? It was very entertaining, but at the same time, probably not appropriate for the middle of a lesson. Right. So what I would need to do is harness that energy and have one-on-one conversations with Micah. And we would actually do these a lot. We were very close and he'd come hang out with me when I was on yard duty for recess, right? And it was a really good opportunity for me to use those three R's right then. So to recognize, to reframe, and to redirect. So during our little recess conversations, I'd start by recognizing the behavior that Micah was doing. And I'd say something like, you know, Micah, I've noticed that you really know how to get the class's attention. And you seem to like it. You enjoy it when people are paying attention to you. And he'd be like, yes, this cannot, it's so fun. Like, and then he'd immediately, you know, did you see that episode of blah, blah, blah last night? Like he'd kind of change the subject, right? And I'd bring him back and I'd reframe it. And I say, I love that you can get people's attention. That is such a skill that is going to serve you so much in life. And I said, in fact, there's lots of people out there who are really nervous when the attention is on them. And you're not one of those. 
look at you. You like to speak in front of groups. You're not shy about it at all. It's pretty cool that you're so confident. He's like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Right. <laughs> but then I would ease into redirecting it. And I'd say, you know, sometimes when you break dance or you bust out in song in the middle of vocabulary, it can kind of get the class off track. And it's hard for me to bring them back because you're so entertaining. But what if we came up with a way for you to use your skills that doesn't interrupt me, doesn't distract your classmates, but you still kind of get to show off for a little bit and have fun. And so I'd ask him like, for an upcoming book report, can you turn it into a song or can you incorporate dance somehow? Or at the end of the week when it's, you know, a little bit less structured in class and we're kind of cleaning up, I would do my, my silent auctions with my class economy, like all those kind of things, like my routine. I would turn on music for the kids and I could say, yeah, go ahead, sing, dance, do your thing. And it was like, he could let it all out. Right. And over time, this really helped bring about a strong rapport with Micah. The class distractions decreased and we figured out a way to channel his energy and his skills into situations that were just more appropriate for the classroom. And like I said, he, to this day, remains one of my most memorable students who provided so much fun in the classroom. And sometimes that's okay. So I had to learn myself to say, you know what? This behavior right now, it isn't annoying. It is going to serve him in life. How can I embrace it and use it in a more appropriate way? And so that's kind of what we're going to share with you today on the podcast. We're going to give you a bunch of maybe common behaviors that you see in the classroom. And then what are some possible reframes and redirects that you might try? So I think it's a really practical episode that hopefully you can like take immediately into the classroom and start using with your own students. And I'm so glad that you use him as an example, because as you're even explaining the story, I haven't seen him mm-hmm. in, when was the last time we were teaching 10 years ago? Was that 11 years More ago? Than maybe? That, probably together. A long yeah. time ago. Yeah. hundred percent. Remember his voice. Yep. Exactly. You know, everything, his whole, pro- and to re- to be able to hear in your mind, someone's voice yes. is very difficult to like, I, you know, when we lose somebody in life, like that's the first thing that goes in remembrance of them. Um, so like that just goes to show how much of an impact this one student had on the two of us. And I'm sure has uh-huh. had on multiple people so in many his people. life simply because of who he is, you know, and to give him that gift, that, <clears throat> excuse me, that you did in fifth grade for him. I'm sure had a massive impact. I hope so. He graduated from life. college like a year and a half ago. And I'm just like, oh my God. How are they that old? So successful. <laughs> Went to an awesome school. Like, I'm just so proud of him. Just a gem of a kid. Oh my he God. Is. I love him really so much. Is. So proud of him. Love to hear that. All right. Anyways, I, I digress. Megan, we're going <laughs> to hand it over to you. Yeah. I'm cracking up because I I had a Micah and his his thing was he would gritty to the trash can. Oh, and yeah. The, the, the little <laughs> dance. And like, I can't gritty. So, you know, it's impressive. So I, I I love this reframing to like bring it back to practical skills for for what's in their future because I think it's it's a true thing. So we'll talk about some behaviors and then some reframes and redirects that I'm sure most teachers have in their classroom. So the first one is using their phone when they shouldn't be. And we couldn't have cell phones in our school, so I didn't have this problem, but I know a lot of teachers are facing this. So a reframe might be, hey, I see you love using technology and it seems like you love staying in touch with others and it's something you really enjoy. 
which is true, right? And it's something they're actually going to need in the workforce. Like we're using technology right now. So this is this is a good skill for these students to have. A way of redirecting um, the student would be to encourage the student to use technology for educational purposes during designated times. And I'm thinking you might even just let the student know like, hey, in 20 minutes, we're pulling the Chromebooks out. We're doing a Kahoot. Like we're going to, we're gonna, you're going to get to use that technology soon so that they know it's coming, you know? Another way would be to encourage the student to use multimedia in their classroom projects, making a video, doing a podcast. And again, like specifically telling that student in those moments, like, hey, I really encourage you to do this project because you love technology and you're good with it, you know? Another way to redirect would be to encourage the student to participate more fully in group work and class discussions because what they're doing on that phone, whether it be Instagram or Snapchat, they're trying to connect with others. And if we can encourage them to connect with the people in front of them in the class, like they're going to get that fulfillment. Um, and so I think that's an awesome redirect there as well. Another behavior is being too talkative in class. And we all had those students. And I, I have a student in my head. And the thing I would always tell that student, because he was constantly talking, he just loved to communicate. But like communication is such a good skill in your life. And I always told him like, you're going to be the best salesman one day, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes giving them that like future thinking also kind of helps them when you're redirecting their behavior. So for the students being too talkative, a reframe might be, Hey, I've seen that you're super friendly and you love talking and hanging out with everyone. It's so awesome that you feel happy being yourself and you love saying what you think. But ways of redirecting the student would be A, to assign a leadership role during group work activities. And I loved this one because a lot of those students that like to communicate would also feel really empowered when you gave them a leadership role. And it kind of helped, again, redirect that behavior towards something productive in the classroom. Another way would be to encourage participation through class discussions and group work. These students were always like my student leaders in a Socratic seminar. And almost always they did a phenomenal job for me, you know, so it really purposed that, that behavior again. And then if a student has a good grasp of a class topic, have them be a peer mentor for another student in class. Again, using those communication skills to essentially teach, right? So those are just some behaviors and ways of redirecting. I think Caitlin has some more for us. Yeah, there's, there's just one other that comes up for us that, I mean, I've, I've witnessed this in classrooms that I've observed. Like I am this person sometimes when I don't really care about what I'm learning about, right, in that moment. So we all have this student who just has public displays of disinterest, right? Either they're rolling their eyes or they have a loud sigh or, or their disinterest is being shown by being distracting to other classmates or, or whatever it might be. And I think with this one, one of the things that I've, I've done in the past with some students in this regard is I've been like, yeah, this is kind of boring, isn't it? <laughs> and just acknowledging, yeah, this kind of sucks, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And we can do hard things. And actually what you doing this is, is telling your brain and teaching your brain for the future is that I can do something that's hard for me that I don't want to do, but it's going to actually help benefit me in the long run. So I kind of like to reframe it in that capacity too, which isn't totally in line with what we're talking about. But I think when you say like, yeah, it kind of sucks, they feel seen like, mm -hmm. oh, it's not just a me thing. Like it's a Mrs. Mitchell thing too. Like we all kind of hate this together. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so just, I like that. Yeah. So I'm going to jump in really quickly because you're saying it doesn't quite relate, but it does in a way because the first step is recognize, right? And yes, we're talking about recognize the behavior, but here you're recognizing their feelings and mm -hmm. them. And I think that is so powerful. So I'm so glad you shared that. Yeah. And like, and they think it's funny. They're like, yeah. wait, Mrs. Mitchell doesn't look like this either. It's like, yeah, not really, not really. <laughs> Could care less actually about this, but we're doing it. Um, and so like you could, if you want to come back in line with kind of what we're talking about here, you could say to the student like, 
man, I see that you feel really strongly about this lesson that we're going through right now. And actually, it's really great that you know what you do and don't like. You know, a lot of people don't have that skill. A lot of people will hem and haw between what they what they want to do. My husband's a perfect example. He'll sit there and look at the butter at the grocery store for five minutes to pick the best one. I'm like, dude, just pick the butter and go, you know, very indecisive. And like, that's going to serve somebody in a leadership role of being able to decide and know what they want, right? Whatever it might be. So in this case, you could redirect the student in a variety of ways. You could have them come up with activities that they've liked in other classes that they've done in the past that they could share with you, right? Giving them ownership over what you guys are doing in class. Um, you could ask them to create a whole learning activity for the class if they wanted to. Um, ask them to create a kind of lesson that like they would like to see. Um, I think a lot of the times these are the types of students that probably have a lot of creativity and vision within them. Um, and it's just not being seen in that way. It's being seen as boredom, right? As they mm -hmm. need something more. A lot of the times these are my students who are really, really smart, um, who are maybe not engaged with the content. Or you could come up with a system with this student where they could give you feedback in a non-hurtful way. And actually like, it like, a mini EB, we talk about this too. Feedback is important all the time. And so if we can teach our students at a middle school level, like feedback is just feedback. It doesn't mean anything about you for you to be able to model that behavior for your students of like, yeah, I'm open to feedback. Let me, did you guys hate this? Did you love it? What else would you change about this? That's showing and modeling for them how cool it is to accept feedback, to actually help yourself be better at what you're doing. And I think with all of these behaviors or whatever it might be. I think it is the foundational aspect of it is just the recognition of, of this behavior and how to harness that in a positive way. And I'll just give you an example from my own life. When wasn't until recently that it, something actually shifted for me, but my whole, my whole life, I was always told you're way too intense. You're way too intense. Like it's this bad thing. And within the last year, I think someone told someone on our team told me like, man, I love your intensity. I, I miss you when you're gone because I miss your intensity. And it was in that moment that like what a gift that person gave to me to be able to realize like, man, my intensity is actually admired in certain situations. Whereas this thing that my whole life I felt like has been this hindrance and this like bad aspect of who I am, if I could harness it in this positive way, it's actually a really impactful thing part of my personality. And so we get to give that gift to our students who've been told their whole lives, sit down, be quiet, stop interrupting, whatever it might be. We're actually showing them like, dude, this is a great part of who you are. We're just not utilizing it in the best way right now. Um, so hopefully this serves you guys. Is there anything that anyone wants to add before we kind of wrap up the episode at all? I don't think so. Just the, maybe the three steps going over them one more time is just to recognize the behavior, right? To reframe it and to redirect it. Cool. I love it. So hopefully you guys, this helps you go use it in your classroom. Let us know, share with us on Instagram at EV academics, whether or not this is working for you, what you've noticed come up. Um, but I think it's just going to help you utilize empathy and build relationships with your students because you've got something that you, that is a part of your behavior too. We all do. Right. And when we have that recognition, we're able to help them harness it in a really positive way. Imagine if someone gave you that gift as a student, 
we get to give that to our students as well. So thank you, Jessica, for bringing kind of the research behind this from mm-hmm. your USC course. So awesome that you're going through that so that we can share with our teachers, your takeaways, um, just really, really neat. And Megan, thank you so much for being here on this week's episode. Of course. Yeah. Next week's episode's really good. So we're rounding out February with the research behind great teachers. What does this mean? And we talk about, you know, student growth, like a great teacher is one of the leading indicators for student growth. And so how can we harness the power of being a great teacher? What does that mean? What does that look like? What's the research behind that? So we're going to dive into that next week. You don't want to miss it. Um, And thank you guys so much for joining us today. We're going to see you next week on the podcast. Have a great week, everybody. Bye everyone. Bye everybody.